So Paul doesn't just put up with God's answer of, no, I'm not going to heal you. Paul embraces it and takes pleasure in those infirmities because then he can give God the glory through his, his weakness. It is a blessing and a privilege to be able to preach God's word uh, from right here in Dublin, Ireland, uh, over to you all the way in Grace Baptist Church. You know, it might say 2024 on the calendar, but it, it feels more like 2020 to me here as I, I preach over video. Uh, but, you know, technology has been a blessing in, in some respects. Uh, last year, I was able to preach to a church further south than I've ever been in the world, in Sydney, Australia. And now I get to preach to yourselves in a place that's more westerly in the world than I've ever been to. Of course, we've been to Canada many times. Uh, I am from Ireland myself, but my wife Bethany is from Dryden, Ontario. Bethany's parents now live in, in Manitoba, about an hour west of Winnipeg. So that's as far west of it as I've been in the world, and that's where our trips to Canada take us uh, these days for the children to visit their grandparents. But Lord willing, we would love to get to, to meet you someday, um, to see your part of the world on some of our future visits to Canada. If you'd like to take your Bible today and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'd like to turn there and follow along, I will read the first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then I will pray after I do so. Let's read. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do ask, Lord, that that would be true in our lives. Lord, that our faith would not stand in our own wisdom or the wisdom of uh, men around us, Lord. I pray that our, our faith would stand in the power of God. Lord, we ask for your power now to work uh, in our lives, Lord. Please work through the preaching um, as we open the Bible, look into it, and preach from your word. I pray you would work through the preaching, into our hearts and lives. Lord, you know the needs of every individual uh, that is uh, here, that is listening today. Lord, I pray that you would please work and do your will and speak to your people. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ by which we are saved is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And you know, when the Lord wanted to get that message to the whole world, he could have chosen any method that he wanted. He could have sent angels from heaven to deliver the message, but he didn't. He could have written that message up in the clouds, but he didn't. He could even have invented technology to distribute that message, 
but he didn't. God chose his perfect method to get the message of the gospel to the whole world. He chose to use the mouths of believers like you and I when he said to his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Early in that chapter, in verse 14, the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, I think about how the Lord chose to send the message of the gospel around the world. I marvel that his ways are are so far above our ways. And I marvel that also that those who have gone before us and who have faithfully done their part in being a witness for Jesus Christ. You know, here I am on a smallish island in the Atlantic Ocean, an island that has a a pagan heritage where the the devil seems to have had so much of an influence throughout history. Here where I I live, we live very close to an area in in Ireland where uh, called the Hill of Tara, where Halloween originates from with the Celtic Druids. We've had centuries of Roman Catholicism uh, ingrained in the culture of our country where to be Irish meant to be Roman Catholic. But now in the past 20 years, our country has thrown that out to replace it with the devil's secular humanistic philosophies. And yet through all of that, through that, that history, that culture, that um, place where we live, Through all of that, the Lord brought the gospel of Jesus Christ right here to me and, of course, to many others here where we live. And he did that through Christians who were faithful to the command of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, when I think of those who have gone before faithfully witnessing for Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel... One of the men, of course, that initially comes to mind is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Apostle Paul, the man who the Lord gave as a light to the Gentiles, the one who initially brought the the gospel to Europe uh, and all that he, he went through in doing so. If you think about Paul's life from the moment he got saved... Really, Paul's life is in danger and he goes through much persecution in order to follow that command of the Lord. All the way back in Acts chapter 9 in the the New Testament in the Bible, the, the Jews were trying to kill Paul when he was in Damascus. He had to be let down over over the wall in a basket to escape by night. In Acts chapter 14, he is stoned at Lystra. He is stoned so badly that even those people who stoned him thought that he was dead. And yet, the Bible says that the next day, he's up again and he heads to Derby to preach in that city. In Acts chapter 16, in Philippi, Paul and Silas, they've been beaten, cast into prison, their feet fast in the stocks. And yet, 
The Bible says at midnight he is there singing praise to God. And he is such a testimony to the, the jailer there that when the earthquake comes and the, the walls fall, the jailer comes falling down crying to him, what must I do to be saved? In Acts chapter 17, we read of Paul in Athens on Mars Hill at the, the center of the world's philosophy, declaring to all those educated philosophers, to them that I have found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. He declared to those philosophers that Jesus was the God that they needed to worship. He wasn't afraid. In Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, the whole city is on an uproar. The whole city, the Bible says in Acts chapter 19, verse 34, all with one voice, about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. You know, it's easy to, to read past a verse like that and not just stop and pause and consider Two hours of chanting, the whole city chanting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And Paul is the one that is the outsider, preaching the gospel, and the whole city is turned against him. Later, Paul stands before kings and governors and priests, and he is glad to answer for himself. He is, he is brought before those, those priests and, and kings and governors to, to be tried, uh, to, for them to convict him. But he just sees it as another opportunity to, to say, you know what, I'm glad to tell you who I am. I'm glad to tell you who I was and who I've become because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad to preach. It was yet another opportunity for him to preach the gospel. I think if you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I think Paul sums up his, his life's ministry in a, a few verses here. In first, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the Bible says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in pearls by mine own countrymen, in pearls by the heathen, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, in pearls among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You know, reading through all of that, I read of somebody who boldly and bravely followed the Lord preaching for him through so much persecution. And yet having looked back at Paul's ministry and read about his personal testimony of all that he had been through, then how surprising it is 
to read Paul say of himself in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. The title of my message this afternoon is called Missions Through Weakness. Missions Through Weakness. Because you can see it can be easy to read heroic accounts of, like that of Paul and others who have gone into the world to preach the gospel, to read about those accounts and think somehow think that, oh, they're, they're different. They've got such boldness. He's, he's very talented. He's a, he's a leader. We can read those accounts and think those things and not actually realize that, you know what, those people probably have got some of the same fears and weaknesses that you have, that I have, as they do the work of spreading the gospel. So as we look at our topic today of missions through weakness, the first thing I'd like to look at is the reasons for Paul's weakness. The reasons for Paul's weakness. Paul's weaknesses, first of all, were cultural. If you'd like to turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 5. The reasons for Paul's weakness. First of all, he had some cultural reasons for being weak. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 5, it says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. Paul was a, was a Pharisee. He said himself there he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, being, being taught the scriptures, uh, learning those things. And, you know, he was probably, well, we know he was well-educated in the, in the scriptures, so he was probably quite well off. He was certainly, he was definitely part of the in crowd. So, Looking at the background he had, it was very unlikely that he had had to deal with the, the physically demanding conditions that he had to, do, had to do so as a Christian. He's not likely to have ever been on the run for his life. He wasn't used to being the outsider. This is not who he is. It's not what he was raised for. His background is not like that. Culturally, Paul wasn't used to being that outsider having to deal with those physical conditions of danger, of being on the run, of his life being threatened. He also had reputational reasons for weakness. Remember, Paul is the one who was, before he was a Christian, as Saul, he was the one who was zealously persecuting the Christians. You remember, even the Christians were afraid of him when he got saved because he's the one that was the leader. He's the one that had the authority to go and bind them and put them in jail. He was the one that was consenting to, to Stephen's death. You know, once he got saved, talk about having a target on your back. The guy who led the way in zealousness, in zeal, in persecution of Christians, for him to turn over to be a Christian himself, Talk about having a target on your back. The Jews said about looking to kill him immediately. 
he had that reputation of being zealously against Christianity. And that, of course, meant that he had that, he was in danger from the moment he got saved. Of course, he also had some physical weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, the Paul talks about the infirmity that he had. He said, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that thorn in the flesh was, but it does say it was an infirmity. It was a sickness or an injury of of some kind, a thorn in the flesh, a physical weakness of some kind that, that the Lord gave to Paul. And also Paul had some spiritual weakness. Paul wasn't perfect. He had the same struggles as you and I have. He had that battle of the the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul said himself in Romans chapter 7 verse 18. If you'd like to turn there. Romans chapter 7 verse number 18. Paul says, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul had that spiritual battle against the flesh that each one of us has. So Paul had weaknesses. Paul had every reason to stay home and say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm not able for that job. I appreciate you calling me to be that apostle to the Gentiles. But, you know, it's too much for me. It's just not me. I'm, I'm not streetwise. I'm... Not I'm not used to heading to heathen lands. You know, it just doesn't make sense. They're going to want to kill me. Why wouldn't you choose someone else? I'm, I've got this physical ailment. I've got weaknesses. I'm too scared. I don't have the strength. Paul had every reason that you could think of to say to, to the Lord, you know what, I, I prefer not to. I'm not able to. But the thing is, Paul didn't. He didn't. So number one was the reasons for Paul's weakness. Number two, let's look at the, the reality of Paul's weakness. The reality of Paul's weakness. You see, Paul understood the reality of his weaknesses. He understood that the weaknesses he had, it was exactly the position that the Lord wanted him to be in. A position of weakness, a position where Paul knew that he was unable to do this, this work for the Lord in his own strength. Why? Because that's when God can work through, through us, when he gets the glory. Because when we do things that the Lord has called us to, when we, we feel like we're not able and we're fearful and we're scared, 
when we trust the Lord and we go and do them, we will know and people around us will know that we didn't do it in our own strength. Look at Paul's attitude to his infirmity in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We read verse 7 already. Let's look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 12, verse number 8. Paul says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, look at verse 10, Paul says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, God tells Paul specifically, I have given you this weakness so that you will have to rely on my strength. Paul says, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. When I am weak, you know, then I'm sure that I, it's only by God's strength that I can do something. So Paul doesn't just put up with God's answer of, no, I'm not going to heal you. Paul embraces it. And takes pleasure in those infirmities because then he can give God the glory through his, his weakness. Remember the churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How they gave, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2, how that in great abundance, sorry, in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, and I bear record, and yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. There's a church, churches who had so little, the Bible says they gave beyond their power. So we don't look at them and say, oh, they did such a wonderful job. We look at them and say, God enabled them. The Lord empowered them to do something that was beyond their ability and we, thousands of years later, 2,000 years later, we can read about those churches and give God the glory, how the Lord can work through their weakness. You see, the truth is that anything I do is only by God's power and grace anyway. But sometimes the Lord ensures that I, I know that, that there is no way that I could even think that it was me. He just makes it more obvious. He gives me a weakness or he gives me a job to do that's impossible for me to do by my own strength. In Paul's case, he gave him both. He gave him weaknesses and he gave him a calling that Paul could not do in his physical strength. So we've seen, number one, the reasons for Paul's weakness. Number two is the reality of Paul's weakness. Number three, I'd like to see Paul's reaction to his weakness. His reaction to his weakness. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 again, it says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul said to the Corinthians, I was with you in fear and in weakness and in much trembling. You see, Paul didn't have his weakness and say, well, I'm not going to go because I'm weak. 
I'm not going to go because I'm fearful. I'm not going to go because I'm, I'm shaking. I just can't, I can't do it. Paul had the weakness. He had the fear. He was trembling and he said, I went anyway. Paul's reaction, that is, he went with his fears and in his weakness. And that's called faith. That's called faith. As you read through the Hebrews chapter 11, you read about those who had faith and they went and they, they did things for the Lord through faith. And you can consider all the, the great works of God. The, things, uh, the accounts we read through the Bible, really we were reading about accounts of man's weaknesses and God's glory. Man's weakness and God's strength. Think about Moses parting the Red Sea. Why does God get the glory? Because it's something that Moses could never have done. Moses couldn't have blown the sea, pushed the sea back. There was nothing he could do. You could never say Moses did any of that. You say God did all of that. Look at Gideon. The Lord whittled down the the army down to 300 men, the army of the Israelites, to defeat the Midianites. And God said himself, the reason he did that was lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. Again, nothing that Daniel could have done to save himself. We look at that and we go, it's all of God. God gets the glory. Peter walking on the water. Peter and John boldly preaching for the Lord. As we... As we go through our weakness and our fear and our trembling, people are pointed not to us, they're pointed to Jesus Christ. They're pointed to the Lord, and that's, that's why we go. We're going to, into all the world to preach the gospel, to point people to Jesus Christ. You see, if all that I do for the Lord, if all that we do for the Lord is what we're, we feel like we're able to do, what we're comfortable doing or what we're, we're not fearful or nervous doing, then all our lives we're doing is pointing people to ourselves and what we can achieve. But when we go despite our fears and despite our weaknesses and despite the fact that we might be shaking and trembling and, and afraid of what's, what, what we've been given to do, when we go and we do that for the Lord by faith, it is God that gets the glory. It can be so easy to look at others and think, oh, it's, it's easy for them or they're able to do it. I'm, I'm just not that way. So easy to look at others like that and not realize that they probably have the same fears and weaknesses that you have or similar fears and weaknesses. It's no easier for those than than me, than any of us. Every one of us has weaknesses. Every one of us has fears. You know, Paul had weaknesses that were given to him by God. He could have used those weaknesses as the reason why he couldn't serve God, but he didn't. He used them as a reason why he could go in the strength of God, by the power of God, and then God gets the glory as he does so. So we've seen the reasons for Paul's weakness. We've seen the reality of Paul's weakness. We've seen Paul's reaction to his weakness. And finally, I want to quickly look at the results of Paul's weakness. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, 
and my pre speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, that's why the Lord calls us to ministries that we don't think we're able for. Because the very fact of us doing that ministry in our weaknesses points people to the Lord. That their faith doesn't stand in our abilities. Their faith doesn't stand in what we did. Their faith stands in the God who worked through your ministry. The God who worked and then works in their life and they give glory to God. That's the life of faith. So today, if you perhaps are stuck on a particular weakness or fear, you know, it's not going to go away. God's looking for you to trust him through that weakness, to serve him in that weakness. Or on the other hand, if you're on autopilot thinking, well, I've, I've done this before, I've got things under control. Remember your weaknesses. Remember, anything you do is only by God's grace. Trust the Lord and go by faith as you serve him. Because there is, truly, there is no other way of truly serving God than through our weaknesses. Anything else done in my power, in my strength, because I'm able, because I'm talented, that's not serving God. That's not bringing God the glory. So the question for us today, your weaknesses, are you going to let them be the excuse for not serving God? Or the reason that God gets glorified as you serve him through your weaknesses? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for giving us weaknesses, for allowing us to have those weaknesses so we have to depend on you. Please help us to do so. Help us to learn from Paul to go in our, in our weakness, to go despite our fears, to trust you, to walk by faith. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day. God bless. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.